Welcome to, uh, to First Christian Church. If you are new here today, let me just kind of tell you where we are, what we're doing, and then we'll take off from there. We're in the second week of a series that we have titled Grace is Greater Than. Last week, we learned that it was greater than our guilt and shame, our sin. And if you remember, those of you who were here last week, I actually had you write down some issues and pray about those during your communion time and then throw them in the trash can on your way out. Today we take it a step further and we talk about another issue that grace is greater than. They say, maybe you've heard it said opposites attract. Here are some opposites. You can help me out today. The first thing that pops into your head, it's okay to talk in church now. First thing pops into your head, share it with me. Opposites. Up, Fast, rich, good, on, strengths, and that's where I want us to land today. Weaknesses. We all have them, don't we? They come in all shapes and sizes. We all have chinks in our armor, things that push us away from our spiritual hopes, our relationship with God. Superman had his kryptonite, right? Spiritually speaking, I think we have kryptonite. Those things are weaknesses that push us far away from God. Sometimes it's maybe physical conditions when our body doesn't work the way it once did. Maybe we allow those conditions to pull us away from Christ or at least frustrate us and depress us. Sometimes it's um, uh, emotional issues, those weaknesses that push us further and further away. Sometimes it's just abuse, addictions. They come in all shapes and sizes, and they have a tendency to put us in a place where we don't want to be. So I want to remind you today, I want you to understand this, that grace is greater than our weakness. Last week I shared this scripture. It comes out of Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. And that's my hope for us in these next few weeks, to understand grace and not to miss it. You can miss a lot of things in church, but grace is not something we want to miss. It connects itself to forgiveness and mercy. Grace is unmerited favor. Getting what you don't deserve. Anybody here today deserve the grace of God? Do this. Probably not. We're all sinners. We learned that last week, and we know that the consequences of sin is death. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23. But the antidote, the cure is grace. You see, God sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us. And because of that activity, that act of grace... We have hope. We have a chance to walk side by side with God. So we can't miss that today. The church, the church that doesn't understand grace is a pretty ugly church. Because who is the church? Is it the building? We are the church, right? So if we don't understand grace and forgiveness, if we don't get that, if we don't understand that principle, then it has a tendency to breed bitterness, 
to breed discord, heartache, and even brokenness, and we'll talk about brokenness next week. So there's something about this grace that we need to understand, and what I would like to do today is zero in on this thing called weakness or weaknesses, because most of us have more than one weakness. So if you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that's where we're going to start today. Then we're going to bounce over to chapter 12. Paul, before he became Paul, he was Saul. And if you know anything about this man, he was not exactly a friend of the church. In fact, he was doing everything that he could to stamp out this thing called Christianity until he had an encounter with God. And once that relationship began, he was never the same. And when it comes to grace, when it comes to mercy and kindness and forgiveness, unless we have a relationship with God, it will never really change who we are. So he wants people to understand in this church in Corinth, his friends, that instead of celebrating strengths and accomplishments, they need to celebrate during their time of weakness because that's when God has the ability to show his power and his strength. Now back in the day, they celebrated strengths and weaknesses. And we do that too in our culture, don't we? We celebrate people who have been successful, people who are strong in their field, people who have accomplishments. That's the way we're wired. We don't celebrate losers, failures, people who can't measure up. We're not wired that way. Paul says we need to learn to do that, and I want to kind of talk you through that this morning. Because if you're like me, sometimes my weaknesses can push me further and further away from Christ when he wants me to come closer and closer. Corinth was a destination city. We have some destination cities in our land too, don't we? Chicago, New York, L.A., Boonville, you know, destination cities, places where people want to go. There's a lot of action in those cities, those towns. Corinth was known as a place of culture, a place of prestige, a place of pleasure, a place of exotic living. It was known for its power and prestige. Movers and shakers loved to hang out in Corinth. And it seems like in this particular letter in the church, there were some false teachings going on. Some false teachers emerged, and they weren't teaching the teachings of Christ. They were teaching anything but, and the people were starting to connect to that because these men had some pretty good credentials. Their pedigree was pretty strong. So what Paul starts to do in chapter 11, he begins to remind them of his pedigree. He began to brag on himself, and he says he doesn't like doing this. It's like a fool talking. His goal was to elevate Jesus, not to elevate himself. Are you with me? Anybody here, does someone come into your mind when you think of someone who likes to brag on themselves a lot? We like to spend about this much time with them, don't we? Because they are conceited, full of themselves. We just don't have a whole lot of tolerance for that. That's where Paul finds himself. That's where he begins to uh, um, 
remind his, his friends. I want to start reading with verse 16 of chapter 11. I repeat, he's already warned them about these false teachers. I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. He says it's foolish to boast. It's foolish to brag. In this self-confident boasting, I am not talking as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many are boasting in the way the world does, he's talking about the false teachers, I too will boast. You gladly put up with fools since you are so wise. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you or exploits you or takes advantage of you or pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. To my shame, I admit that we're too weak for that. What anyone else dares to boast, I am speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? Well, so am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? So I want to stop there before we go over to chapter 12 because he's trying to make a point here. He's trying to remind his friends that uh, even though there are weaknesses apparent in their lives, they need not hide from their weakness. They need not deny their weakness. They need not avoid their weakness, but they need to face their weakness head on. My friends who are here today who are recovering from substance abuse, who are sober and who have been sober for some time, I rejoice with them. They tell me that the first part of the process is admitting that you have an issue. And once you make that confession, the process can begin. The healing process, sobriety can happen. And that's basically the process of grace. We confess that we have weaknesses, sins, that bring with it guilt and shame. And once we repent of that lifestyle, that choice, we are offered grace and forgiveness from Jesus. It comes as we begin a relationship with him, and it comes to bring us to a new new place. So Paul kind of flips the value system. Don't celebrate your strengths, your accomplishments. Anybody can do that. But when you're having a weakness, celebrate because then the power of God can take over. Anybody here like to celebrate when you're going through a rough time? No, 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 no. We don't like that. Paul says, that's what I want you to think it through because that's the way you become to understand who God is. So he talks about boasting. And here's where he kind of unloads his wagon. He says, are these people, are they Hebrew? So am I. He says, are they Israelites? Me too, remember, me too. Do these people, are they descendants of Abraham? He says, I am also a descendant of Abraham. And then he asks the $5,000 question. Are these people, are they servants of Christ? Because that's the distinguishing characteristic of those who understand. He says in verse 23, I am out of my mind to talk like this. This is not my nature, he says. I just want to remind you. So then in 2 Corinthians 
chapter 12, right over to the next page. It says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to the visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man of Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. He's describing an incident he had with God where he was taken either out of his body or in his body. It was revealed to him this place called paradise. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were taken out of my body or if I had some kind of experience where I enjoyed this place called paradise, I think I would brag about that, you know? You know, I went to paradise the other night. It was pretty wild. I saw things there, heard things I can't even imagine. This is the only place in the Bible, in the New Testament, where Paul referenced this event. And he does it just to remind these people that he is connected to God. It goes on to say whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man himself, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that a man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I will not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say. And then he says, to keep me from being conceited, to keep me from being proud, because of these un surpassingly great revelations there has been given me a thorn in my flesh a messenger of Satan to torment me three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me but he said to me my grace my grace is sufficient my grace is enough for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore because of this I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, and hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Which seems to be kind of a weird way to express himself. But Paul is talking about this new value system. And he is talking about it in a way to prove that he is who he says he is. Paul, who was Saul, very educated man. He went to the school of Gamaliel, which tells me if he was schooled, that meant that his family had some money. Back in Bible times, you weren't educated unless you had money to pay for your education. We also know that he must have been, uh, uh, had great credentials coming out of this school. He must have been a mover and shaker because he was high on board when it came to attacking the church. And then he had this experience on the road that changed his life. And he began to be a person connected to God. Now one thing I have to kind of talk us through, verse 7 says, there was a thorn that was given him. It wasn't given him by God, it was given him by Satan, but it was allowed by God. And this thorn kept him from doing his ministry the way he wanted to. The Bible says that three times he pleaded with God. Some of your translations may say he begged God three times. 
I kind of believe that he probably talked to God about this more than three times. Have you ever had a situation in your life a little bit out of your control? Maybe your body is a little bit out of sorts. Maybe they say you have an illness to deal with. You probably have talked to God about that many times, you think? Or maybe a financial issue or maybe an emotional issue. I bet Paul talked about this several times, but there were at least three times that he basically begged God to remove it. The word for thorn here is not the kind of little thing that's on a rose bush. The word is actually translated stake or spear. So if you're walking around with a stake in your side, do you think that would be dehabilitating? Or how about a spear if you had a spear stuck in your side? Paul is saying, remove this spear, this stake from me. And this is what I think is so strange. Because he was a good guy. He was trying to do the right thing, okay? Let me ask this question. Do I have any good people in here today? I have one. Let me ask over here. Do we have any good people in here? Are you trying to do the right thing? I mean, why in the world, a good guy trying to do the right thing, why would God say no? Because he says, Paul, here's the deal. My grace is enough. My unconditional love is enough. I may not take this thing away from you, but I will help you with this condition. So Paul goes on to say, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power might be elevated, might rest on me. That's why I delight in my weakness. That's why when I am insulted, when there are hardships, when I am persecuted, when there are difficulties, when I am weak, then I am strong. But we don't celebrate weaknesses very well, do we? We like to highlight our strengths and our abilities, our successes. So Paul was kind of rocking the world back in his day. He wanted his friends to understand, here's what these people are teaching, here's what Jesus teaches. So let me give you three takeaways today, okay? Three things to remember about your walk with Christ, about your relationship with the Father that you need to understand when considering your weaknesses. And the first is this, this thing called grace, unmerited favor, is greater than our infirmities, greater than our hardships, our illnesses. Paul begs for relief from the spear, from the stake. Theologians kind of debate this issue as to what this thorn, this difficulty was. Some say it was a specific temptation that Paul was dealing with. I have a hard time buying into that because Paul understood grace and confession and repentance and he had a relationship with Father through baptism. So I don't think it was a temptation that he struggled with. Some think it was deformities from all the stonings and the beatings that he endured. You know, how many times can you get hit with rocks before it kind of disfigures, cripples? The beatings. Some say it was epilepsy back in Bible times. If a person had an epileptic seizure, they thought he was or she was demon possessed. And this was part of their their tradition. They would often go on over and, and spit upon that person 
as if to show unworthiness. Kind of a weird deal. Some people think maybe it's malaria, maybe migraines kept him from doing his work. Some thought maybe a speech impediment or a stomach issue. But I think where I have locked in with the most support from Scripture is that he had eye trouble. And because of his eye trouble, his vision issues, this was the thorn that was beginning to restrict his activity. We could talk about that. I could show you where the Bible encouraged such thinking, but that's maybe for another day. Paul doesn't go into detail. He doesn't focus on on where he is. I think he uses the metaphor to show people that regardless of what they're going through, grace is greater than that. And I have no idea what your infirmity might be. It could be something physical. It could be your, um, your issue with pornography. It could be your issue with your family. It could be your unfaithfulness. It could be something sexual or something financial. It could be your inability to say no to donuts. <laughs> and on the list goes. We have our chinks, our infirmities. The second takeaway is that grace is greater than our inabilities. And usually when we talk about weaknesses, we attach talents and abilities to our weaknesses. And a lot of times we fail to, to, to do our part or to connect ourselves in service in the church because we just don't feel we're, we're adequate or we have the ability to do that. We just feel like we don't know enough or can't run fast enough. How hard is it to help somebody up on a hay wagon today? How hard would it be to serve somebody a hamburger and hot dog? You know, hundreds of people are coming here this afternoon. And all that I want you to do is to come and help people have a good time because I know if you help someone have a good time, you're going to have a good time too. I mean, that's the way it works. When I was a kid, you know when we did hay rides? At nighttime when it was dark. Who does hay rides in the afternoon? I'm here to tell you there'll be people waiting to get on that hay wagon today and we can be there to show them that we are a church that knows how to love. We are a church that understands grace and forgiveness and mercy and kindness. We are a church that wants to reach out to them. So I hope to see you around 3 o'clock today. And I hope you come ready to have a good time because that's going to be the, the deal. You know, a few years ago there was a book that came out called Strength Finder. And it was a little book that, that basically helped you to determine what your strengths were. And after reading the book and going through a series of questions you would find out what your top strengths were. It was a pretty encouraging little book. Here are your strengths. Bam, 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 and bam. I think if Paul were around, he would have probably written a book called Weakness Finder. Letting us know where we were weak. Hey, yeah, you got a problem here. You got a problem here. You better deal with it in a positive way or it could break you. And we will talk about brokenness next, next week. It's what weaknesses and guilt and shame leads to.
There's a scripture out of the book of Acts. If you know the book of Acts about the beginning of the church, how the church was formed and all the excitement and energy was there. In chapter 4, verse 13, it says, when the religious leaders of the day saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled and ordinary men. And they were amazed. I love that verse. How many people here are ordinary? We are, aren't we? And God used ordinary, unschooled people to turn the world upside down. And I'm here to tell you today that he will use our ordinary efforts to do some extraordinary things. And he just wants you to be a part of it regardless of your weakness because his grace is greater than your weakness. You know, one more thing needs to be said because grace is greater than our infirmities. It is greater than our abilities and it's also greater than our insecurities. You know, if you have a task to do, maybe your task is just taking out the trash at home. That's your only job. Just get the trash out before that truck comes. We don't like to hear things like, I, I, I think I'm in over my head. This is kind of too big for me. We don't like to hear things like, you know, I'm having a tough time or I might need a little help. This is overwhelming. We don't like to hear those kind of comments, do we? It's just trash. Get it out there. You know, but there are times when we need to understand that it's okay to be transparent. It's okay to have help and seek help for our weaknesses. You know, my friends that I meet with in premarital and marital counseling times, I encourage them all to seek help. It's healthy to seek help when you're struggling, isn't it? Who wants to seek help when they're not struggling? That's usually not the way we work. So if we're going through an issue, I encourage you to seek help with your weakness because God will help you through that time. I want to paint a picture for you this morning, and I want you to kind of use your imagination. I want you to picture yourself looking for help. You have an empty cup in your hands, and you need something to fill that cup. That cup represents your hurt, your heartache, your brokenness. Are you with me? And you need some help to feel better. So you begin looking for some kind of water to fill that cup, some kind of liquid, and you find a hose coming out of a great wall, a wall that you can't see around, can't see over. It's just huge. And you pick up this hose, and you begin to lift it over your cup, and water begins to come out. The water represents the grace of God. Okay, you're with me? So you have a cup that's empty that represents your difficulty, your vulnerability, your weakness, and you have a hose with water coming out. It's just trickling out, and you don't think it's even going to fill your cup. But before long, your cup is filled right to the brim, and then the water automatically shuts off. And you have just enough water to take care of your issue. So you head for home. Sometime later, you come back. This time, you have a five-gallon bucket. I mean, it's a nice bucket. It says Ace Hardware on it. Looks really nice. It's clean. It's empty. 
And maybe you're going through some other issues. Maybe you've had a health scare. or Maybe you can barely cover your monthly bills. And maybe you just need a little grace, a little love and connection with God. You go back to the wall and you find that hose and you know there's no way that this water is going to fill your empty bucket. But you know, hey, it's a little bit would help, right? And you hang that hose over that bucket and it takes a while. It's just trickling out there, but before long, water is right to the brim. I mean, it's just enough. And you go home with that bucket and you take care of your issues. A little time goes by and You're starting to struggle. Maybe you've just lost your job, and with that, you lost your confidence. Maybe your marriage is in a pretty rough place, and maybe you have a child with special needs, and you're just exhausted. You just need some grace. This time, you have a wheelbarrow, and that thing is empty, and you know it's going to be kind of hard to get the water back home, the grace back home, because have you ever pushed something in a wheelbarrow? You find that hose and there's no way that's going to fill up your wheelbarrow because it's just, it's big. And before long, that thing is filled right to the brim. And you go home and you celebrate your weakness because you have a good fill of God's grace. Some time goes by and you come back driving a semi-truck. I mean, a semi truck. Can you see yourself driving a semi truck? I don't know what you'd do. Maybe you'd roll your sleeves up a little bit, you know, get your arm out there. It's a tanker truck. Yesterday, when we were out here doing some weed eating and stuff, they let me on our mower. We have one of those zero turn mowers here. Holy cow, I even mowed some stuff. They told me next time I'm going to learn how to drive the tractor because my friend Jerry David, he was first service. He knows I want to drive a bulldozer someday. It's on my bucket list, you know. But you're pulling this semi-tanker up there. You know there's no way. There is no way this water is going to fill up your tanker. But you get that hose and you get it going. And before long, your tanker is full. Now, my tanker, I pulled in sideways so I wouldn't have to back it up. But I pull away and I head for home and we celebrate our weaknesses. Now, don't miss this point, folks. If I had any advice I could give you today, this would be it. When you're going through a rough time, when your weakness is kind of pushing you to a place you don't want to be, I encourage you to back your truck up to God and let him fill it. Let him fill it with love and mercy and kindness and grace because grace is greater than our weakness. been said opposites attract. Have you ever heard that? First thing that comes into your mind, are you ready? Cross. Christ. Sinner. Savior. Sin. Grace. 